I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. In this episode, filmmakers Janelle and Malik stop by on their tour of their documentary, Love Conquers All, to share their personal experiences of mental health and why it is much needed to talk about specifically in the black community. They also share their journeys of being first-time filmmakers. You can learn more about their comic and documentary by reaching out to Janelle at NellieNell1027 on Instagram. Please enjoy my conversation with Janelle Malik. Malik, Janelle, welcome not only to the podcast, but to Chicago. It's very rare that I have uh, visitors. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, you're from the Midwest, but like visitors in general, it's kind of cool. Right. (laughs) So so is this your first time in Chicago? It's my first time. First impressions? Yeah. I I love the art, what I see. Me and Malik were talking and we're saying it was... uh, very old city, it seems mm. like, but um, a lot of history. Yeah, a lot of history. Yeah, but if it was nicer out, you'd take the boat tour. Right, mm. right, right. That's Down what the river. We want, that's mm. what we wanted to do. But um, overall, it's a cool city. A lot of food. That's what I'm realizing. A lot of food. Yeah, mm. food capital. You can eat your way. Um, also, it's it's a great medium for people to learn about all their cultures. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Oh yeah. That's what I uh, I grew my love for food in Chicago through working on the ambulance. Um, and on the ambulance, you, uh, on the on the ambulance I got, I worked on, you got to go north side, south side, west side. So I wouldn't have known about something called Harold's chicken, which is like fried <laughs> chicken or like right. jerk chicken on the south side over there. And like, right. it just, I would have never ventured that way right. if it were not for that. So what's up with this Nando's? Is that is that how you say it? Nando's, it's it's a chain. It's like peri-peri chicken. It's good. Okay. It's good. But, it's, but Harold's is better. If you're if you're looking for fried chicken, oh okay, yeah, I would say so. For sure, yeah. um, there are there are good a uh, few good uh, chicken sandwich places too, mm. um, all over, not just on the south side. Yeah, um, I've been trying to start every episode with uh, with a quote that maybe um, gets your brain going uh, or gets any maybe juices or thoughts flowing. Okay, um, and it's it's if you look, it's kind of a lengthy quote, so right. I'll I'll take my time right. and. Uh, Feel free to close your eyes or whatever helps you uh, kind of imagine everything. Right. It's from the Instagram account, uh, Collective World. So, so it, go- it goes like this. The truth is, love exists in so much more than a romantic partner. Love is everything around you. And I hope you learn how to open your eyes to that. I hope you find love in every aspect of your life. I hope you find it tucked into early morning sunrises and the smell of your favorite places. I hope you find it strung between the laughter you share with friends. I hope it bounces off of you when you hug the people you care for. I hope it swells within your ribcage whenever you hear your favorite song or discover something that moves you. I hope you fall in love with growth and change and the messiness and the beauty of making mistakes and becoming exactly who you want to be. I hope you find love in places that were once devoid of it, in places within yourself that you could have been softer to, kinder to in the past. 
because if there is one thing I have learned, it is that love is so much more than a human being who holds your heart. Love is everything around you. It is everything. Right. You read that spot on one take. All right, one take. <laughs> one take. That was dope. Yeah, if you ever need voiceover work for a future documentary, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I had a few quotes lined up, uh, but you know, obviously your documentary is Love Conquers All. Um, and it's a tough topic to tackle um, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's, uh, there's a lot of little nooks and crannies you can go with that. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also watched um, your episode with uh, Minute Marathon. Um, and uh, you guys you guys gave an origin story of like how you guys met at Augustana. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if you went too deep into your individual like histories. Um, but after hearing some of uh, that episode, I kind of gathered that the documentary is kind of based off your life. Mm-hmm. And I was delightfully surprised to find you in the documentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it's a mixture of a documentary and as well as like a, a fictional fictional story um it's a blend of two that's what i wanted i wanted to kind of tell two realities to the film like having so people in the folks like real life people doing a documentary style type of interview but then actual the actual characters in the film i meant to rewatch it at the part where I'm, i'm assuming was his sister is that is that is that true? Towards the end. Towards the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. The end. Okay. Yeah. Kennedy's yeah, yeah. sister. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that setup. It kind of dips your toes in in both sides. All right. Um, but if you were to rewind, um, if the people that are listening, uh, obviously they don't know you, but like, what are some things about you that are important for them to know in order for this episode to make sense? Uh, I mean, I I am a filmmaker, as well as an entrepreneur, writer. A creator, you know, a person that is an advocate for uh, mental health, mm-hmm. you know, especially amongst people of color, of uh, taking care of ourselves, loving ourselves, mm-hmm. not being afraid to talk about the unknown. Um, Was it always yeah. that way for you? Um, not always, but as you get older, as you grow as an individual, as a person you uh, begin to have many different experiences in life, Mm -hmm. which life teaches you uh, to be calm with yourself, you know, and to educate yourself about things that are scary, right? Life is tough. So, I mean, I think that we all, you know, need a space and time in our lives to figure it out, right? About who we are and what we want and, you know, our past as well, so... If, um, I'm not sure how old you guys are, but like, I, I probably blossomed in my like mid twenties. I'm, I'm like 30, I'm almost 33. Right. And, uh, I, I say, I wish I was taught these things in high school, but I don't know if my high school self would have listened. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I wish, you know, everything I'm, I'm wishing I had, I'm trying to give back now to those high school Mm -hmm. seniors or juniors. Um, and I see it. I'm like, some of them don't really care, <laughs> care right. to listen, you know? Right, right, right. Um, but, uh, all, all we can do is kind of provide the resources and the options and you can't really force someone, you know, I think we talked about this, uh, on the call. It's like, we can't force someone to, to drink the water. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, we could be patient with people. Yeah. You know, that's all we can do is be patient and lead by example. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like me and Malik were just talking about this at dinner. 
Like, you know, everybody, you can't save everybody, you know? Um, so I think it starts with us, the individual leading by example. That's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Malik, any, any, you know, where did you get your start into? Because you're not, you're not a filmmaker. You, 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 both of you weren't, right? I mean, you're a software mm -hmm. engineer at this point. But mm -hmm. Like, what did you think you'd be doing, and what were some formative experiences uh, growing up that helped lead you to mental health? Yeah, it was really, you know, writing first and just being a creative, mm -hmm. and I think I pulled from that in my software career as mm -hmm. well as an engineer is just having to, you know, think on a dime and. Um, everything's contextual, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have to really respond to what the situation is, and I think that's how writing is, too. And especially, um, you know, like me, I got my start playing with action figures, if you want to go real way back, yeah, you know, yeah, into yeah. childhood, just coming up with scenarios and stories in your head, playing with the cousins, playing make-believe and stuff like that. That's where right. it all started right, for right. me. Um, and just having that translate. As you get older and go through high school, it's like you leave the kiddie things behind, but to be able to harness that mm -hmm. and turn it into something serious and like an ability to tell stories, mm -hmm. you know, that was like the transformation, right? Yeah. So it was like around that senior year of high school, freshman year of college, where I started thinking that way, at least. Okay. Mm -hmm. And but, did both of you guys like writing from the from the beginning in general? or? Yeah, I liked writing. Like as an outlet? I mean, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I started... I mean, with film, it's, it's so crazy that I'm doing it now. But as a child, you know, it's always been with me. You know, I started in a church like most artists do, mm. especially black artists when it comes to music, whatever, film. I started in media ministry mm. at my church, uh, filming the pastor, doing his sermons. So film has always been with me. You know, as a kid in middle school, I participated in like drama classes. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like I did that in high school too as well. But you know, being an athlete, that kind of takes all your time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that was my main focus. But, I mean, things happen, you get hurt. And eventually you have to reevaluate your goals and your dreams. And, you know, I know that I don't want to work a nine to five for the rest of my life. You know, yeah. I know that I, I'm creative. I'm more than that. And, um, you know, making a film about mental health was, it, it all tied in. It all made mm -hmm. sense, you know, working in the field, being hands-on, working with young men, juveniles at that, who were experienced. Who you, experienced whom you were already working with, right? Yeah, 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 who I was working with. Now I work with adults oh, that okay. have um, been formerly incarcerated, but prior to Love Conquers All, like when we first started, I was working with kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, you kind of see what they go through, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like, why not? Why Malik, why don't we create something that is super relatable to young people as well as young black and brown men? Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. I mean, that's why the comic book came as well along with the film. The film was the first idea, but, I mean, the comic book was just like, let's do this. Let's create a momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just mm -hmm. minimize, or I guess not minimize, but, like, increase the accessibility to almost anyone. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Because right. um, there is the e-version as well, right? Right, like, right, okay. right. Okay. right, right, right. Mm -hmm. 
Which um, is the exact same as the physical copy here. Yeah. This, yeah. this beautiful copy we got here. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It, it reminds me of uh, Boondocks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, well, shout out to Eli, lot. too. Eli, the illustrator. Yeah, we get that a lot. I mean, um, it's different. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's super relatable. And then it's like, you know, graphic graphic novels. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been an advocate of um, Malik, you know, reading, being a reader. You know, I think that's extremely important, being able to, you know, turn off the TV and pick up a book. Mm. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then actually see yourself on a book, meaning, like, people that look like you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought it would be dope to create a comic book about mental health as well as and this type of type of illustration, type of form. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, through some of the guests that have recently come on i've i've been trying to create dialogue and discussions around what are some of the root causes why uh these kids in chicago are getting into trouble Um, oh now we're talking whether it's carjacking Mm -hmm. or or whatever Mm -hmm. like they're they're getting themselves in trouble and more and more people are are uh, defending themselves and so these kids might not understand Mm -hmm. the entire breadth that they're putting themselves into the, the, the full situation. Mm-hmm. But, I, th- I, you know, through this, and you, when you said, you know, seeing yourself in that, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if it's like a lack of identity. And we can go through many different angles at that of like, if I know in the last episode you guys talked about, and in the documentary, generational trauma or multi-generational mm-hmm. trauma and how maybe their parents did not have the luxury to talk about their history because they're just busy hustling right, mm-hmm. to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't really have an understanding of where your family comes from. Mm-hmm. And that's if your family's already whole. What if it's not whole? What if it's broken? Um, and then that being said, you know, you kind of model after what you see around you. Is that musicians? Mm-hmm. Is that athletes? Um, and this podcast has evolved in the sense that it went from a career-focused podcast to more of a humanities podcast because mm. we are not defined by the work we do, at least solely, right? I, I do find a lot of meaning and joy in work, but um, I think you are a lot more than, than just what you do for work. And so the opportunities to cultivate an identity, I think it's lacking uh, for these kids here. Um, whether that is sports or music, there are definitely areas of the city that are underserved and underdeveloped and don't provide as many opportunities as, mm-hmm. as other cities, unfortunately, or other, other neighborhoods in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is people of all races and demographics usually go for what's easy or they go for the path of least resistance mm-hmm. just in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can make the argument that you go for the path to least resistance, you're not ambitious, right? You're not somebody who's striving to be the most that they can be. That's an argument, right? Right. But on the other end, you can say, well, it's just what we do as humans, right? It's just a tendency, it's human nature. Go for the path to least resistance. You shouldn't shame anybody for not being ambitious or not reaching out and not having all these dreams and desires, right? So when we talk about people in impoverished communities because a lot of times that's what we're talking about if even if you take the race out of it mm-hmm. you know you're talking about poverty talking mm-hmm. about a lack of opportunities and you know it's supposed to be the land where in america where you can do anything as long as you put your mind to it yeah and you know me and Jeanette, we've talked about this a Equal lot opportunity even, right yeah even before, even before love conquers all we talked about this but it's this concept that 
mm-hmm. you kind of have to be exposed to possibilities. And, you know, speaking as a black man, mm-hmm. that's one of the things growing up. It's like you only have a limited amount of things being exposed to you as things that you could possibly do, right? Yeah, you can say you want to be an astronaut, but ain't no black kids out here striving to really be astronauts like that, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's really like, first of all, presenting all the different range of possibilities, and then you start talking about identity, people's identity usually comes around their aptitudes and the things that they feel like they can do, right? So if you only feel like you can do A, B, and C, you're not going to be somebody who thinks you're expansive enough to do you know, D through whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's a lot where it starts, just a lack of, a lack of, um, of possibility shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's wild because like social media should, should minimize any barriers to seeing what's possible, right? But mm-hmm. I, I guess we, let's blame it on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, whatever you've been following, you're kind of limited as far as like to see all the other things that are A little there. echo chamber, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, a lot of it is, um, I mean, I can speak on behalf of our community, like, you know, black black folks, like, a lot of it is historical trauma. Like, we don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about multi-generational trauma, which is a huge component to historical trauma when it comes to African-Americans in this country. You know, like, you know, the lack of resources, the lack of, you know, opportunity, you know, the lack of, you know, power, you know, power is uh, important, you know, access is important. And I think that, you know, when it comes to mental health and, you know, and within our communities and what's going on, what we see out here, I don't know too much about Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, I, this is my first time being here, but I hear, I hear things on the news pertaining to gun violence. Mm-hmm. But like we talked about over the phone when you kind of was trying to get it to know me as well, I think that gun violence is a thing that affects us all. Like, you know, school shootings, it's big. Yesterday, you know? another yeah, one. Just another yeah, one, yeah, right. Yeah, and I think that that ties in, to, ties in to gun laws. You know, yes, we have citizens that want, all they want to do is protect their families, mm-hmm. protect, their, protect their children, protect what is theirs, mm-hmm. which... I agree with nothing is wrong with that but I mean I think that there needs to be somewhat just a reevaluation of things pertaining to guns in this country you know I think there needs to be a tool of education a lot more pertaining to guns you know weighing the pros and cons when it comes to it Mm -hmm. and uh, teaching young people about it you know having a conversation a lot more I like Um, what you said though about power yeah in the sense that that's really what a gun could give you. It, it gives you, you know, power. It gives you that power. It gives mm. you, especially when you're somebody who can't derive power in any other kind of way. Right, right. You know, so I think it is interconnected it's, in that way. They they have that, but it's a false sense of power because I don't think they were educated or trained on how to use a firearm. Mm. Right, right. You know, so they have the I access to I mean, I think that a, I think that what we see is a lot. A lot of it is, you know, poverty. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is mental health. Mm-hmm. And we got to understand mental health is a real thing. You know, you can you can have two parents, two par- a two-parent household and still be dealing with mental health. You mm-hmm. can be a millionaire and still be dealing with mental yeah, health. Yeah, yeah, money, money so do, yeah, doesn't, doesn't understanding human behavior mm-hmm. is extremely important. How us as humans, how we function. And um, also having an understanding of 
what has been given to some folks and what hasn't what hasn't been given to them. You know, I think that a lot of people, you know, are just dealing with what they have, working with what they have, yeah. are a product of their environment, right? Sure. Again, sure. again, though, to break out of that. How do you break, yeah, break out of that without depending on anyone else? Is that even, is that, that's possible, right? It's possible. It takes a village. Yeah. It takes a village, man. And like, does the um, individual think it's possible as absolutely. well? Absolutely. You, it's, it's an internal thing. You got to have it in you. If you want better, you'll do better. That's mine. I'm I'm a firm believer of that. If you want better, you'll do better. I mean, I've I've seen people that come from the trenches mm-hmm. that are succeeding and doing very well for themselves. But I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about mentally. You um, got to put in the work. And then, like we said earlier, kind of yeah. like yeah. unfortunate for the people that don't have people that made it out of the trenches around right, them, right, so they don't have someone to model after. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. I mean, it's breaking cycles. And a lot of that is a part of the multi-generational trauma, the definition of that, you know, breaking cycles. Yeah, yeah and, and, ex- and excuse the tech analogy, but I know, like, this chat GPT and this AI stuff is real popular right now. Mm. And it's like, you just use the word model, so that's why it's stuck in my head. But when you talk about AI, you start talking about models, right? And you train an artificial intelligence system based off a model or sets of models. So... I don't know, it's just something that's in the news right now that I feel like ties in, but it's it's this whole concept of you behave based upon what you're taught or what your input is. Right, right. right. Like, you can, of course, break that model, but... It's asking the right questions. Right, exactly. And even then, that's a challenge. Even then, it's like some people can't form the right questions because they don't know, you know, you just don't know what to ask. I mean, you have to, you have to... I mean, I think that studying the human behavior, human behavior is a, is a crucial thing. I mean, I've seen it. You know, I've seen it. I worked in it. I work in it, mm. you know. Um, so I know that mental health, is it affects us all. And habits, habits and mm-hmm. affects us too. Like, you know, it's it's not just, you know, it's individuals out here that have what you would think have the nine to five, have everything that you expect. Mm-hmm. But clearly in their brain, something is going on. Why can't we stay still? Why can't we focus? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? A lot of that, you know, is, is studying human behavior, of course, but also understanding mental health affects us all on its own spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's big. It's on the spectrum. You know, people, people, people deal with depression. I mean, we see it. We see it every day. Yeah. You know, normal. what you would consider, I hate the word normal because nobody's normal. Everybody has their shit, you know? But we live in a society where there's so much pressure, which is unfair to us as humans, that we have to be under this much pressure to be able to live. Mm. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, I live in a Bay Area. Being able, having some folks have to work two jobs mm-hmm. to survive, to pay the rent, you know? And I think that is too much pressure on humans. Like, it, I mean, if you're working and you're putting in the work and you're grinding and you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're, even kids with college degrees are suffering right now because they can't pay the rent. So yeah. they have to move and be in places they don't want to be. Well, I think th- that. Then, then you start working for the sake of money and not for the sake of fulfillment. Anymore. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, that's that's we're doing a, yeah. I'm going to a trade fair coming up in early March um, 
thousand like CPS Chicago Public School kids oh. uh, each day. It's like a three day thing, right. and it's specifically focused on non college oriented careers. All, All right. the trades, right? Um, if you were to try to just kind of tangent from careers provide some ingredients that create fulfillment for you guys at the moment what are some things in your life that add to your sense of fulfillment what fuels you what what parts of your roles fuel you i would say for sure um i don't know if it's maybe the answer you're looking for but perspective in the sense that being able to take myself out of a situation or being able to look at situations from a from like an astral stand standpoint, I, I, I don't hear that one actually too often. And is this from the engineer side or from the filmmaker side? I think it's from the human side, mm-hmm. and just me wanting to make sure. I've always had this thing where you know I didn't. I used to fear being misunderstood by other people mm. because I have this thing. I just want to show people that like I'm a good guy. I'm a good intention. I'm not gonna harm you. Like I'm straight. You know what I'm saying? We can get along. Mm-hmm. And like back in my high school days, that used to be a fear of mine that I couldn't communicate that to people, mm. right? So really, it's just it's just being able to to convince people that you're genuine, right? You know what I'm saying? Because did you eventually come to the realization that like you can't? It's kind of too high of an expectation. You can say that, yeah, yeah. But it's still something I want to strive for. Sure, even sure, it's sure. like you know something that's that's combative in my head. Um, okay, yeah. gaining perspective. I like that. Yeah, like for sure. That. I mean, if if you can, if you can contextualize things, and if you can keep composure mm-hmm. enough to mm-hmm. take in the perspective, then you're probably gonna be better off in the long run instead of just acting impulsively or uh, stopping short of your thinking. That's a dilemma that we currently. Face, uh, especially during the pandemic, it's like we, uh, as a society, overgeneralize and mm-hmm. we just start assuming things about people based off little details that they share. We just start overassuming everything else about their lives. Oh, yeah. Um, but if you took five to ten minutes to really get to know that individual, then, you know, they might not be that right wing nut you <laughs> put them out to be. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, 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 it's important to bring context. I think some of the more traditional ingredients to fulfillment uh, could be like, are you in a position, are you in a leadership position? Are you mm-hmm. in a position to where you're heard mm-hmm. and your decisions have weight and, and they matter? Mm-hmm. Do you have respect uh, and do you respect your peers? Um, do you have creative liberty? Um, and uh, those are all the traditional things that come to my mind when I think of fulfillment, but are there any other aspects um in your life that that add to your sense of fulfillment um doing what i'm doing being a writer yeah being a producer being a director filmmaker you know love congress all has created a lot of love and understanding into my life you know i am kennedy you know i see myself in the art that i produce Mm -hmm. and i think that my art that i produce is valid and i think that it helps a lot of people and it, it's super relatable to a lot of people that need it, you know? I think that when people look at Love Conquers All or they look at the comic book or when they watch the film, mm-hmm. they're just amazed by how much they are Kennedy or they are Rose. So, I mean, I'm very fulfilled with what I'm doing right now pertaining to being a filmmaker mm. as well as a writer. 
And at the same time, you don't want to get into a trap of feeling like your fulfillment is based off what other people think fulfillment is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you kind of frame the question in like traditional, you know, uh, roles of fulfillment. But it's like, yeah, maybe uh, trying to be traditional with some people's problems, right? Because like you said, just the pressure of life to be this certain kind of person to do a certain kind of thing. Maybe people just need to relieve themselves of the pressure. Um, But yeah. It's tough. Um, because when you when you feel crippled by pressure I feel like some people fall into a limbo and they're just kind of stagnant mm-hmm. uh, and I think when you start moving in a certain direction you start gaining momentum mm-hmm. um, but at your own pace I guess you know it's like no you know you don't have to rush things mm-hmm. to keep up with the Joneses or anything like exactly. that exactly mm-hmm. I get that can't keep up with the Joneses no, you'd be left behind real difficult. quick <laughs> Too difficult. Um, yes, sir. But when I when I watch the documentary, um, what what comes to mind when I think of Kennedy is uh, this quote that we are taught, and I, I kind of saw myself in the documentary as well. But we are taught uh, as males or as certain cultures, like in the Asian culture or perhaps in the Black community, it's like to be strong, quiet, and resilient, um, mm-hmm. and to not share your emotions. I did not grow up with physical affection or my parents saying love you Mm -hmm. um they showed love in other ways and it took kind of like me internalizing that in my late 20s to realize that but i always wondered like why why are all my friends getting hugs and (laughs) and kisses and i'm I'm not getting shit it's just like but we all you know learn love or learn to love in in different ways but that being said there's a lot left on the table uh that could be done to improve um, <laughs> your mental health. <laughs> um, and recently, especially around the Lunar New Year, um, there were like several older Asian gentlemen that kind of went off uh, in the public, one of them on the West Coast. Um, and I, I feel like that's an example of mental health, of mm-hmm. just like not knowing how to express the negative things that are going on in your life, and then you just take it out in such a horrific way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a boiling point, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so in your personal lives, like, is that, does that experience kind of sound accurate growing up to not really express how you're feeling and how you're, what you're thinking? I think, yeah. I and, mean, I did, think did, for did me. Did you grow up in the, in the foster system or foster care system? Um, yeah, somewhat, but I have my uh, family. Mm. You know, it's a lot different compared to when you have somebody that is not your family not blood related mm-hmm. um so i mean growing up i was able to know who my family was you okay. know i knew where you know my mother lived you know i knew where, where my father was mm-hmm. you know like some kids in the system that don't know that at all you know what i'm saying and they grow up in a family that's not blood related to them so it's a different experience but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a system that affects a lot of children, you know, good and bad, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I think that it's a, a system um, that we all need to look into and appreciate and, and help as much as possible when it comes to the needs of that, mm-hmm. the needs of our mm-hmm. children in general. Um, but yeah, so I... Um, I understand what that looks like, you know, but I also understand what it looks like, you know, to have family around. 
mm-hmm. that's fair to say. Um, and then did, how was your experience with, uh, with like speaking on, uh, your emotions and thoughts? Oh, I mean, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't really allowed. Like, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't really allowed. You know, I come from a very Southern background as well. My people from Texas, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, work hard, you know, you work hard, you suck it up, you deal with it and you move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the mindset. You know, there was never really any, oh, you know, something might be wrong with you. You might be depressed mm-hmm. or you might be dealing with anxiety. There was no conversations like that in my household. Because Would they see it as weakness or? Uh, absolutely. Weakness as well as, you know, in the household, a lack of understanding when it comes to mental health. You know, you got to understand my parents didn't have the resources that we have today pertaining to mental health or even the conversation. It was either you're batshit crazy or go to church and pray pray about it. You mm-hmm. know, in a black community, you know, church is a big thing. Spirituality is a big thing. I mean, that community. can be therapy in a sense, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, absolutely. But when it, when it comes to the conversation of receiving an outside source other than God, it's, it's somewhat forbidden. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, it wasn't, you know, you're dealing with something, you pray about it. You don't go talk to a therapist. You pray about it and you move forward. God will help you, but not the folks in my community have an understanding that the people that are therapists, psychologists, clinicians, are God's people and are God put in places and positions to help God's people. Um, so there's a lack of understanding when it comes to that. And I think that in my household was, you know, like my my people from the south. You know, in the south is a totally different ball game compared to. California, mm. you know, but that mentality, that Southern mentality, you know, so that's yeah. how I look at it. Yeah. Malik, any, anything, any other thoughts? Um, pretty similar for me, yeah. you know, a lot of family from the South, yeah. Arkansas, Mississippi. Um, but yeah, man, it's just like, you got the family to rely on, if anything. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of how we operated. It was just like, yeah. you know, something's wrong, what's wrong, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you'll be okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's just the fam. The fam is the, the consultation. <laughs> so so now that they know what you guys do and, and the resources that you guys have, do they remain closed-minded or open-minded to this now discussion of mental health? My family is open-minded to it. I think that, I think as a family, I can speak on our behalf. I'm not afraid to say that. We're healing as a family and i think that having can you say it again hailing or healing healing. what does that mean healing meaning that we are gaining a better understanding of self-care oh wow and uh, self-awareness as well as um you know mental health boundaries you know when it comes to others Mm. causing harm those terminologies like Mm -hmm. in the mental health field causing Mm -hmm. harm to others and, and trying to fix it and trying to understand it and i think that's what i'm seeing in my family that we're trying to understand certain things that may have been out of our control or um things that have have happened that you know were misunderstanding or things that you know are hasn't been taught you know hasn't been talked about 
mean, um, I think my family is gaining a way better understanding of mental health through my work and seeing what I do, coming to the premiere, coming to the and screening. For me, that that's a huge sense of fulfillment mm. for my family right. and loved ones to igno- just acknowledge um, and then appreciate the stuff that you're doing. Mm. Um, it speaks volumes to me personally, mm. and I'm happy that you're in the same same boat and you're getting that love from your family. Right, right, right. Um, so if we were to pivot slightly to the the documentary and the comic book, can we go into the inception uh, with the seeds of it? Like, how did you plant it, uh, plant it and, like, what did you... I, I, I think you're the visionary, or is that speak, right? And <laughs> then you, you're more <laughs> of the, the poet. Like, you, you, you are able to eloquently put things together. Um, but... Uh, mm-hmm. How, what did you, how, what was your vision and how different or how similar was it to the actual end product? Oh, come on, creator. (laughs) 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 Nah, it was, I I told the story a few different times and a few different platforms, but, um, just Mm -hmm. us meeting in college and her learning that I was, that I was interested in writing back then. And then, you know, fast forward to 2019 and she has this idea and you know she hits me up on the phone and it was like all right let's do it let's go for it all right it like, was did you back in college did you know that you wanted to work on something together i mean because yeah, I, I know you hit course, it off right I away it was pretty seamless yeah i think that we always knew we were going to do something something not writing but yeah something together wow you know? just off of friendship yeah. but i mean when she when she presented the idea and then saying how it connected to her and me just wanting to be a writer and it's like all right by time it's like i have to do something right now i was only already working on my own stuff but it was at a stalemate right so she pretty much revigorated you know my my motivation and stuff for writing and yeah we just we just went ahead with it pretty much it was like it was something where you know of course the film idea came first but the way that she broke it down to me and the amount of belief that she had in it, it was, I couldn't, it was I compelling. couldn't, yeah, it was very compelling. compelling. Yeah. I couldn't really mm-hmm. resist. Um, at what point in the process, um, like how much of it did you have done before reaching out to Malik or was it kind of like, I mean, we worked on it together. We worked on yeah. it every night. Okay. You know, like we sat down, we, we created the characters with their names, who they were going to be. And kind of like, um, you know, what the what the plot was, mm-hmm. you know, together. You know, we work on this piece together. That's what makes it special. Did you get any advice going into this process? No. What we like from other filmmakers? Yeah, we've we've talked to a couple, yeah. a couple cats. Yeah, a and, couple, um, a couple Hollywood producers we yeah. talked to just off of happenstance um, yeah. and God, I guess if you want to say that. Uh, Mm-hmm. universe happening and connecting us and so we got like some consultation mm-hmm. oh gary um, goldman right? yep gary yeah. goldman yeah. and then yeah. jeremy as well mm-hmm. um but just mm-hmm. we already have the content they were more so looking at it as like how we can format it to where somebody in the industry could look at it and just read it sim- seamlessly you know what right. i'm saying mm-hmm. so it wasn't as the content we have, but just how to like structure a script and like, like okay. how to do a, a scene break or how mm-hmm. to say that this is a flashback, you know, the real technical sure, things sure, of sure. it. Um, and yeah, for sure. That's mm-hmm. wild. It's like, it's so cool that you don't have to go to school for this, but it's a, it's a huge undertaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, from what I heard in the other episode, you know, you 
cold calling or cold DMing people to to be casted mm-hmm. um, to everything. I mean, and then finding your your production team that was originally just going to do the interviews and then wow. they did yeah. Hidden Temple. Like they eventually did everything. Right, right. <laughs> sure. Shout out to them. <laughs> That's Shout so wild. Pedro, yeah. Kelly, and the crew. What's up? And then, and then, two of your main actors fell fell off. Yeah, two. The yep. two, the main. Oh two. my! <laughs> but then good. we we found you know we found some other talented actors from Northern California, which was great. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and shout out to everybody that was a part of the process, like even the ones that dropped out. Like you know it because they were committed. They at were one committed. Point, you know re- table reads and everything. And it's much so. love to them. Yeah. You know, but you know we had a blessing and was able to you know find uh, the actors that we needed that were perfect for these roles. Yeah. I forgot in the credits. Did you? Is this self-produced? Like, did you guys produce this, or like, did you throw your own money into this? And was everyone paid and all that self-produced stuff? Self-produced. People were paid and everything. Some actors just out of the grace and love declined the payment. Yeah. But yeah, we we paid all the actors for sure. We yeah. paid them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was uh? What were some of the most or more surprisingly overwhelming pieces to filmmaking? Time. <laughs> How long it is to shoot a scene. Yeah, just one I'm, scene. <laughs> I'm one scene, and you know, cutting, and just making sure everything is right. Which you know, I mean, I love the process. Don't get me wrong, but it's like time. It takes yeah. to shoot a film is, it's it's money. Was it was it more run time. run and gun, or did you have like actually like lightings and setups and stuff like uh, that? Shout out to Hidden Simple. They had they had everything. They, they had, had everything. everything. Yeah, we just had to pay them and mm-hmm. to give them our vision. You know what I'm saying? Know. So wow. Pedro, the, the head guy there, uh, he was kind of like an assistant director because he was the the DP, right. actually handling the camera. Right. But from his experience, he gave his insight and suggestions as well. Even though it was our vision, hers yeah. first, and yeah. then our collaboration, and so with them they were very professional with everything so they made life easy for us on on the days of the shoots we shot what four days total over like a span of like two months right right right. um i was out there for like a 10-hour day that we shot i'm originally from minnesota but i flew out there uh, to do that so yeah hidden temple helped us a lot make it a smooth uh production what what were some of the more enjoyable uh moments of filmmaking of production actually watching the premiere Oh, yeah. Like seeing people's expression, seeing people's reaction towards the film, just like wow, you guys did that shit. Like you guys wasn't fucking around, you know. And that was a good feeling, like to see their mouths drop, like you know. And like, okay, what's next? What y'all got? We want more. That that was the great feeling of filmmaking because it. And then also like people emailing us texting us telling us like oh man that that film was good it was super relatable i was kennedy like saying shit like that like crying people cry yeah when I, they watch yeah, the film and, surprisingly um, to me i thought that was surprising i'm like damn is that good <laughs> like you know but i i love well, it. you're onto something yeah right. we got something and i mean even folks telling us man i could see this being a series because that's what we want the most we want this shit to turn into a series a series of tv or you know a series of comic books you know that's what we want because we believe in the message of people of color taking care of ourselves and mm-hmm. you know not keeping that shit inside and not you know processing things that have happened or processing what is happening you know we are human beings and we have feelings and it's okay to feel it's okay to 
you know, process things that have happened to you. Because it's a lot of shit in this world that's just, it's not right. And it's a lot of things in this world that are right. And what we're doing, you know, Love Conquers All as filmmakers, as writers, and telling a story about a young man trying to figure it out, a young man of color, a black man trying to figure it out, it's big. You know, that's bigger than anything, you know. It's yeah. a blessing to be a part of it. I feel blessed to be able to, I mean, from a spiritual component, I feel like God has blessed me to be able to tell this story because it's affecting and helping so many men. Not just black men. Yes, it's, it's, it's targeted towards black men, but it's helping so many men be like, okay, yeah, like I, this has happened to me or this is happening to me or I don't understand this. Oh, I can't feel, I can't talk about shit that has happened, you know, so I feel good about that. I, you know, I, that's the that's the joy of this shit. That's the joy to, of it. To realize that, like, life is unfair, it's not your fault, um, and it's okay to feel some type of way. Right. But right. to f- hopefully find someone that understands what you're going through. Right, right. Uh, I was wondering, like, what if Kennedy didn't have Rose? Yeah. But mm-hmm. One of my favorite characters was his auntie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, was hard, it was hard hearing uh, what she was saying on the phone. I didn't have my, like, captions or subtitles on. Yeah. But I got to read it in the comic book. And, uh, yeah, easily one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, in, in, black, in black culture, you know... And African-American households and families, you know, auntie is super influential. You know, growing up, my aunties was everything to me. You know, I, you know, I didn't have my mother as a child, you know, but I had my aunties. Mm. And they taught me a lot, you know. They did the best they can do. And I think that a lot of black folks, a lot of brown folks can relate to auntie and tia. Right, mm-hmm. and um, I mm-hmm. think that is you know extremely important to talk about real life experiences pertaining to family, the family dynamic. So that's why I added auntie part of that. When when people say like the black experience, I feel like it's too. It doesn't encompass everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a unique, even within the the black mm-hmm. community, it's so unique. It's it's such an individual experience. Mm-hmm. We're all. I mean, we're all not the same, and that's what. You know, kind of the society has painted us all the same, and we're not. You know, I, I never thought I would. You know, there's a huge when it comes to animation. Mm-hmm. What you say anime? Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought until I got into the business of it that our people love this shit, mm-hmm. anime. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that, like you said earlier about the Boondocks, you know, um, I, I mean, we created this out of creating it but the boondocks you know i look up to those dudes for what they did what they did and the message they were given so um i mean i want to continue the legacy of black animation and black storytelling so yeah um the uh the animated spider-man movie comes to mind Mm. um but recently on netflix there was like a movie by kid cuddy for his new album like that was was so good yeah Mm -hmm. um but I, yeah, I can see this like being picked up if it was a series. Mm-hmm. Are there any shows that you draw inspiration from? For for Love Conquers All, in general, in general, uh, maybe regarding like how you film, um, photography mm-hmm. wise, filmmaking wise. Um, I would say the storytelling wise. What, what would you say? I'd say the relatability of Insecure by mm-hmm. Issa Rae, like how she painted the city, 
how she sold city to LA, Inglewood. It was so real. Who, who's the artist? Issa Rae. Issa. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, she okay. did Insecure. Insecure, yeah, yeah. I've watched and, a couple um, episodes. And I and I thought that was so special. Okay. To be able to show the city like that, you know, I've I've been in Inglewood. I worked in Inglewood, so I I know what the city's like. And for her to show that on camera was big for me. And that's kind of what I want to do for Oakland. You're slowly having that. You're gonna have that. You have that opportunity now. All right, right, right. right? Oh, yeah. to, to put to Oakland on. To show the the realism, to show the real city, the real people of that city, as well as tell a story uh, from a guy from there, a guy's perspective from there. And I think that Oakland, Oakland is a cool city. It's upcoming. The Bay in general is 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 dope. You know. Um, so to be able to be a part of that and to be able to show the city in that way is, is special to me. And I think that Issa Rae captured that by showing L.A. Inglewood, L.A. culture like that. Being from there, mm. she did a great job. Mm. And I think that Oakland needs that. Yeah. Yeah, they need somebody to do that for them. And that's kind of what I, you know, I, I, I enjoy really her capturing the culture like that. And that's what I always want to do in my film and for young people is capture that culture like that. Yeah, that's something we went back and forth on, which is how authentic does does it all sound, yeah. especially with the script and everything. And it's like, yeah. man, would somebody really say that right there? Yeah. Like, would somebody we know really say that? Because there's one way you could write something in, like, proper English to make the most amount of people understand, but then there's a way you could write something with slang or whatever you want yeah. to call it. But it's it's like getting that most authentic message that we can get and still come across like with clean English and like clean understanding, you know what I'm saying? Not getting people well, too confused I mean, with it. You have a target audience, right? Mm -hmm. And you want it to be uh, authentic and relatable. Um, yeah. And I think if you wash it down for the mass appeal, uh, mm -hmm. which is what maybe some production companies might, f that that's where like the fulfillment comes down when you're like being forced to do things you don't want to do. Right. Even if you're filmmaking, it's like you could pigeonholed into something and the dollars are there but it's mm -hmm. like your creative liberty kind of goes down and i know? think that is it's, it's also about each project which you do mm. you know if i'm talking about a mass murder and a detective the language is going to be different the, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. environment is going to be different so i mean i think for love conquers all that realism like i was saying of a city, of a people, yeah. a part of that city, especially young people. I think that insecure is a I'd, huge I'd love example. to see like a follow, like a series following, um, yeah. like another book, comic book following, like a high schooler or something. You know, yeah. like a sixteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old. Yeah. Um, I mean, we got a follow-up. We come. We just finished writing part two. Yeah, it's written. I mean, the cover is fire. I mean, we're working on the cover right now, but from what I've seen, it's 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 gonna. It's gonna it's gonna mess some stuff up. It's gonna mess some people's minds up and mm -hmm. really attract more folks to us because part two is an ongoing um, tale about Kennedy's life, his family, and we added so much to it. Rose, we talk Rose, tell too. more about her story if you read yeah. part one, and um, we just we just go in on part two, which I'm excited about part two. It's gonna be tight, so I'm ready to see people's feels about it and how they feel about it and feedback about it, mm -hmm. but it's going to be tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, leading up to your uh, premiere, what were some of the things you had to do to line all your ducks in a row to have a successful premiere? Um, mm -hmm. 
first we had to uh, get the meet, money. Yeah, we had to meet people first. <laughs> get some money. Mm-hmm. We got to get some money. Make sure we had the money because I, you know, I don't want to do nothing half ass. Yeah. You know, I always want to bring class. I always want to bring swag and just fly shit. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to bring. And in order to do that, you got to have a little money. So, I mean, we got the venue in Berkeley. I thought Berkeley was the perfect place. Like the college Berkeley? Yeah, next to Cal Berkeley. It's a venue, Seals Creative Space. Shout out to them um, in Berkeley. Um, So they allowed us to have a screening there. And when I I did a visit there, I fell in love with the place because it was just super dope. It was like, you know, very, like, production. Mm. Like the way it looked, it was dope. They had big studio, you know, studio mm-hmm. and, and and just very fly. And how I was many, like, okay, how many seats or how many could fit? No, a lot, but we had like a hundred yeah. show up. We, we so no hell no, we no we had like three hundred people. Yeah, three hundred fifty. It was a lot. It was a lot it of was people. A lot, yeah. It was a lot like of more people. than you expected. More than yeah. Like, well, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of people. A lot of people showed us love, and we had vendors, we had food, we had artists. Wow. And so that's the blueprint. Now we did that. Mm-hmm. That was the first successful one. That was last spring. But and, and and how did you get that many people to come out? I mean, marketing. Yeah, promotion. Promote we had a, we are Sacramento a radio station out there help us with promotion right. a little bit. Um, just social media, Instagram. Out of all the things you did, what was the strongest? Probably not one thing. That was a lot of things we did. Was, was word of mouth. I mean, I think reaching out to nonprofits, mm-hmm. reaching out to organizations, you know, getting them a part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's power in numbers. I tell people that. I mean, that's All really how we, how we got out here because yeah. one of the uh, first women who helped us, uh, Jyoti, she pretty much well it's kind of funny because Jyoti's also the name of our main actress in the in the film yeah. but uh but older Jyoti she she works in mental health and she pretty much connected us with with Marvin who who got us out here pretty mm-hmm. much so yeah, it's all relationships man relationships are very valuable mm-hmm. uh the way you just go about the people that you meet mm-hmm. and when you're genuine about what you do people pick up on that you know even if you're not mm-hmm. kind of like what I was saying earlier like I used to stress so much about convincing people I was a good person it's like I just learned people pick up on it you know they're gonna pick up on it and if they don't they don't whatever they're lost um, huh? yeah but really just um, mm-hmm. believing in what we were doing and other people seeing it and us capitalizing opportunities right so it's like kind of like the situation with the Hollywood producer we were talking about who looked at our script to help, help us reformat we had the script fully written and that helped that we can just give him a fully written script versus a half written script where he's like mm. he could see our I mean, commitment imagine you know imagine if you didn't have a fully right. written script you had the opportunity in front of you for someone to look it over exactly. a consultant if you will and you don't have a ready script mm-hmm. you just lost your opportunity exactly mm-hmm. so capitalizing opportunities capitalizing on relationships that's that's got us really far and then just you know the vibe of love covers all just me going out just me meeting people and and just the vibe of it. Like, the comic book came out prior to the film, so the comic book gave folks an idea of what the film was going to be about. Mm. And once they... Was that on know, purpose? That was very COVID. intentional. Oh, yeah. COVID, yeah, for sure. But it was no, her it idea. Was intentional. It was yeah. very intentional. COVID happened, but it was intentional for me. I yeah. was like, okay. We were, like, we were delayed due to COVID, the production of shooting the film, mm-hmm. but this was... The comic book was mm-hmm. the filler, and that was her idea for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I just, you know, I believed in it so much. I believed in it. And I uh, I think that, you know, Love Conquers All is, uh, 
an amazing piece. It's a master masterpiece, in my opinion. Mm. You know, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about what's next for us. Oh yeah, I'm for very sure. Excited. Is um, and is this you're kicking off the tour right now? Like kind of a like a press tour or screenings in other places? Like how this does the third one? This is the third one. This is the third one. Wow. And then uh, we're so we did Berkeley. To, we did Atlanta. Did Berkeley, Atlanta, yeah. and then uh, Chicago now tomorrow. And then uh, we'll do Puerto Rico this Saturday. How did that happen? Uh, man, we went for the comic book. That was the first place we went for yeah. the comic book. So you've been, already been? I've been there. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a pop-up at a Metro Comics in Puerto Rico, San Juan. What? Yeah, so we, you know, we collaborated with a couple other artists that are into the comic world, like mm -hmm. uh, Impound Studios located in Sacramento. Uh, that was one of our first pop-ups, actually. Um, Black-owned company. Black-owned. Yeah. And then um, we got connected with a place in Puerto Rico, which, you know, if, I, if I've always wanted to visit Puerto Rico and being able to go there and promote my work and my art is was dope, yeah. you know? And then we got her hometown, Carson, California, yeah, in uh, yeah. March. In March. So, I have yeah. a screening there. So, I mean, we're almost done with this tour, and, um, you know, ideally we want to do film festivals. Uh, waiting on submissions right now, pending when submissions. But uh, we we doing well. We doing well, and and God is good. And um, I'm super excited for what's next pertaining to the comic book series that we want to produce, as well as getting this budget to shoot a series for mm -hmm. the film. Mm -hmm. You know, and keep it going. Ideally, where would that series live? In Oakland. Oakland, and uh, what, what, I can't tell you where else. It's a surprise. What, what network though? Uh, uh, we were just talking about that today. If you were to, well, if you were you to manifest, manifest, I mean, we were talking Tubi, we were talking Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. I mean, but those are just like lower level things, as far as a barrier to entry. You yeah. know, what I'm saying you can. Um, Is it hard to get on Netflix? Harder compared to Amazon Prime and Tubi. Yeah, I'm surprised Amazon mm -hmm. Prime is, isn't that hard. It's not that hard, mm -hmm. nah. If you go and just look up low-budget movies, oh, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. you'll see some stuff on Amazon Prime you never thought would be up there. I would love to, I mean, ideally, I would love to get a, a deal with Showtimes. Yeah, HBO Stars. Showtime. Yeah. I do Stars, mm -hmm. and I, you yeah. know. And with some of these film festivals, they don't want the product to already be on a platform, so we're we kind of we're kinda navigating there. that, too, mm -hmm. but, yeah. No. Yeah, go go get those awards and then and then come on the platform. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we got it. I mean, we got a master. We got a we got a blueprint. What we trying to do and, and we got other stories. We More got other stories. <laughs> yeah, we got other projects. Yes, yes. Written, ready to go, and uh, we excited about that to to present to the world. How going back to the film, like in that scene where you met Kennedy, like how was it? Was it surreal, or were you having an out of body experience to kind of <laughs> see Kennedy right there? To be able to act, to be able to confront that person, because um, in a way that you're kind of confronting yourself, right? You're or not confronting, you know, but like you're you're meeting yourself. I think that uh, it was cool being at, at on a, a camera at, at a time where he needs to be needed. He wants, you know, he's looking for help. Right, right. I th I thought it was symbolic because there's a lot of people that come in my life, come across my path, that are symbolic when I'm having moments mm. in my life or when I'm having, when I'm dealing with something. I'll meet somebody, a stranger, that'll give me great advice about life, and I, that sticks to me. So I felt like, why not show what happens when you're out 
in the world and you're dealing with something, but somebody can be symbolic in a way of giving you some advice or giving you a tool to kind of reevaluate yourself or kind of gain that reassurance. And I think that that's what I was to Kennedy in that scene that you see me, you know, at the lake, the water, water is special to me. Mm. Water is a part of healing, Mm. I think, I believe. Not that I think, sorry, I believe that healing is a part, water is a part of healing. Mm -hmm. And water is so special, so I think that water also brings people together. And um, I wanted to show that me, you know, kind of being an angel to Kenny. Like, hey, man, like, you know, I used to do this, and that's relatable to him. Like, I used to be in that, but I don't know that. But Mm -hmm. he knows that. You know, so I think that that we come across folks like that in our lives all the time. Mm. Any uh, words of advice for the kids in this community? Uh, Maybe somewhat relatable to the kids in Oakland, but, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, someone someone who uh, maybe needs a little more direction or guidance uh, in life or support. Um, even if they're in school, you know, there, there is a support system in school, but it's not the same. Right. Um, I remember like asking them like if they had an idea of what they might want to do with their life and maybe half of them would say no, Mm -hmm. but then I followed up with like, are you doing anything to try to discover that? And then no answer. Um, and so, I mean, it's unfortunate that like a lot of these kids don't have that support system. Um, and, uh, is there anything that can be said on that? You know, like I'm not trying to play the blame game on just, you know, the parents. It's, that's not easy either. You know, it's like mm-hmm. any advice I would say, love you, you know, love yourself, you know, despite how hard it is, despite how the family dynamic may be and things that are out of your control. Like we can't accept, we can't, understand things that are out of our control and I think that for my advice for the young people is keep grinding you know figure out who you are allow life to happen and you know learn from it learn from your mistakes don't beat yourself up too much you know and I think that us as human beings we beat ourselves up a lot when it comes to things that we do or things that are out of our control you know but Mm -hmm. you gotta be a striver out here you know you fall you gotta get back up Mm mhm you know, you got to figure it out. Like, it's tough. It's not easy. It's it's tough. It's not easy. And my my kids in Chicago, Oakland, L.A., you know, South Central Wilds, whatever, like, you know, you got a vision. God is giving you a vision, a dream. Stick to that. Keep that close to you. Mm. You know, don't lose that because it's special. It's real. The thoughts that come in your mind pertaining to something that is positive, stick to that. Mm. You know, it's tough. When you're dealing with stuff and you think a certain way to live is the way to live, you know, like growing growing up in the hood is not easy. No, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if how much they're on survival mode uh, all and, the time right, and they don't have the luxury to ponder fulfillment right. and self-awareness. But I think that it's not. I mean, a lot, yes, it's kids in the hood, but it's kids. Society is getting tougher on kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, kids is getting snatched from home, school, especially our young women. You know, um, kids are being influenced by things that are not good for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's tough being a child in today's time. You know, when you 
you know, your brain is not fully developed. You don't really understand, but the folks around you that are supposed to be the adults are not being the adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that's tough for a kid to have no role models. To have to start to adult before you have to. Right, right. And I think that's a lot of kids. And I'm not talking about so, like, economically, like kids growing up in the hood. I'm talking about kids that grow up in the suburbs where your parents are working all the time and they have no time or attention for you. That's tough, too. They're dealing with stuff, too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, we need to do better as adults. I'm holding the art. I'm holding the adults accountable that we need to do better pertaining to nourishing nourishing our children, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And teaching them right from wrong. These kids don't know right from wrong, and that's our responsibility, you know? It's also, and there are so many great groups out here, and I'm sure everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, that are trying to provide opportunities and resources to mm-hmm. to these kids. Um, but part of the hurdle is allowing or being patient enough for these kids to become vulnerable and, mm-hmm. and open up. Patience, mm-hmm. patience, patience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's, it, they start off very it's, close. It's, right? It starts at home, though, too. Like, we got to understand, like, it takes a village, of course. Um, but it starts at home. What's the, you know, what's mom? What's, what's your father doing? What's your mother doing? Like, who are they as people? Mm-hmm. And that's where I come from when I say, like, leading by example, teaching these kids right from wrong. It starts at home. That's not happening, you know. And it it doesn't matter, you know, if you come from the suburbs or if you come from the ghetto. It's the parents Mm -hmm. not teaching these kids right from wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you, man, you got kids that live in the most, have the most money, and are doing well financially, but are on drugs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's really dealing with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a real thing, too. You know, it's not just kids in the hood. Yes, kids in the hood, they're dealing with multiple things. But, I mean, I think it's it starts at home, teaching these kids right from wrong. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot I want to <laughs> say to the kids. Um I mean, patience, we just said patience. Patience and composure. Yeah. For the adults, right? Adults and kids. For, for the adults and kids, yeah. Because <laughs> I guess like it's it, it can be frustrating when kids don't want to listen to you. Uh, yeah. And they seem very closed off. Uh, especially if they don't find anything that they can relate to mm-hmm. with the with that adult. Um, if I don't know, family or not family. but uh, So patience on the adults, but yeah, patience on, on kids too. Yeah, and patience in the sense of if you are going through tough times you got a hard life patience to know that it can be a thing of the past at some point Mm -hmm. knowing that you can get past it at some point but it's going to take patience it's going to take composure Mm -hmm. and i guess if you don't know what those definition of those words are look it up but just being able to have composure being able to to be calm about things being able to be perceptive about things being able to analyze things have critical thinking towards things i feel like you can wrap that all into composure right and composure is kind of in a sense how you carry yourself how you react to things um how you set yourself up for the next thing um so patience and composure without saying too much would be like my main words of advice yeah i mean a good analogy is to just like there's two either like let your problems go by as they were and sometimes you can't but like as they were clouds in the sky Mm -hmm. or 
waves kind of like washing over you, but it's like this too will pass, right? And yeah. uh, nothing, usually nothing like will last forever. And I like that analogy too, because it reminds me of meditation and the best advice I've gotten for meditation is, you know, have like the conveyor belt mind versus the monkey mind. The monkey mind is when you, when something comes to your attention and you just stick on it, right? And versus the conveyor belt mind is you're thinking of something, you allow a thought to come, and you don't try to prevent it from coming, yeah. but you let it come don't and you fight let it, it pass yeah. just as quickly as it came, right? And let the next thought come. So, you know, maybe that's a way that you can, that people can approach life too, especially in difficult times. It's just knowing that you're in a difficult time now, but that things can pass with work, with effort, with mm-hmm. some deliberation, with composure, with patience, um, but nothing's easy mm-hmm. unless you get lucky. <laughs> Um, what's your current marketing plan for uh, the comic book? How do you get these? Let's say, let's say you wanted to sell this to the Chicago Public School, CPS. Mm-hmm. Get it in every CPS high school's library. Mm-hmm. How do you? How do we do We've that? We've been trying in Cali. Yeah, we trying. <laughs> One I mean, thing we had to get like religious stuff out of there, so we had like religious uh, Christian uh, imagery in there with the cross and stuff. So like getting that type of stuff out. You can't have that in there. That was just something that somebody advised us mm-hmm. when we were talking to school districts in Cali. Um, but it's just contextual. It's just who rules for certain places. I mean, it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. In effort on our part. Like, we don't have a publicist or anything like that. So it's just outside of our nine to fives. We got to put the time in to do it. Shay, what if you got this translated in multiple languages? We got it in Spanish already. Spanish. Oh, my goodness. Yep, yep. Yeah, we got it in Spanish which is cool, you know? Yeah. So really strategizing. Um, is that know, for the Puerto Rico one or, or just Spanish? Like, is that where it came it from? It hasn't or, been released yet. Or just because it's in the West Coast. Yeah, just it hasn't been released yet, but we plan to reach out to, like, Mexico City and other other Spanish-speaking yeah. countries. And Cali, just in general. Argentina, mm. you know, um, just different places, man. We um trying to get it on Barnes and Noble right now. That's mm. been a little bit of a process. You get all these specific formatting rules they want mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, so we're dealing with that. Amazon, we were like in the middle of uploading it all to Amazon, and then our page count was too high mm-hmm. for a graphic novel format. Oh my goodness! So what? it's just like <laughs> a lot of really specific things that you don't know until you actually try to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Barnes and Noble, we're hoping that that's going to go through soon, and then it's just a matter of us, you know, blasting out to people trying to hook up with more school districts, like you said, trying to hook up with more mental health organizations that can, you know, wrap us into whoever they know. Could this be, like, reading material at a maybe behavioral center or, like, mental health institution? Yeah, it has. Do they have these Already things? has been. They yeah. have? Okay, okay. Yeah, we've been working closely with nonprofits mm-hmm. and selling them the, these, like, a huge amount. And, um, you know, they're messing with us. They, they like it. They're waiting for part two. It's just hard to gauge, like, how good we're doing because, like, we've sold, we've had to sell over 100. Yeah, we sold over 100. But it's, like, it's so spotty and so specific that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to grasp how well we're doing overall. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's pushing slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's it's amazing, guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of the things that you have, you you now appreciate because you are in the arena? No, mm. there's that famous quote by I think President Roosevelt, the man in the arena, uh, um, and, and you can let people judge you and, and all that stuff. From, but they're they're just in the crowd, and they don't know what you're going through. And now that you're in the trenches, doing the back end stuff, what are some things you appreciate about filmmaking and maybe publishing? 
I uh, I appreciate the the struggle. Like when it comes, like I appreciate the grind when it comes to like being in production is is a grind, it's a straight grind. I mean, we're not big yet. You know, we're not big, but we're still grinding, and we're making a way, and we're climbing up, and mm-hmm. we're getting there. You know, we're getting to the mountaintop, like, and I think that, you know, I appreciate about that. I appreciate that right now um, when it comes to this project, you know, and I appreciate my ideas, our ideas, like how me and Malik work. Like, we work well, and we're thinkers, and we make it make sense, and we make it real, and we make it our best. You know, mm-hmm. all we could do is mm-hmm. do our best. And when it comes to publishing, I'm happy to be have a intellectual property. You know, I'm excited that we have that for Some, us, our generation. Tangible, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like this is gonna live forever. Mm-hmm. As long as we print them, they're gonna live forever. Part two is gonna live forever. Like we want to do something dope, like Goosebumps, or we want to do something <laughs> dope, like Harry, po- like Harry Potter's, and you know, make it special for a generation. And that's what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's wild. Yeah. So you got the first copy. You special, dog. <laughs> it's an honor. You better it's keep that one. It's going to be worth some money today. <laughs> I'm telling you. Do, you. do you write at all, Victor? Or you create anything? This podcast. Yeah. This podcast. Um, as far as writing goes, I, I don't, don't write anything uh, creatively, but I... Um, I don't even journal. I used to journal. I used to mm. journal a lot. Um, and uh, I see the value in it. I just haven't. But what I what I will do is, like, I'll definitely take notes at every meeting. And for these podcasts, I started taking notes prior to the meeting. Um, that monkey brain just is like, how do I connect all these dots in the air together while staying on track? Mm-hmm. Um, and these notes kind of help, help with that. But uh, I hear you. creatively, uh, I'm a wedding photographer as yeah. well. Nice. Um, so I get some creative juices out of there, and then occasionally some people hit me up for some branding video or branding photos and stuff. So here and there, it's it's been fun. But this EMT class, um, I felt burnt out at a time because I was teaching something that I'm no longer a part of. I'm not on the ambulance anymore, so I, I definitely feel that imposter syndrome. Mm. But this has become the greatest excuse to meet individuals, and you guys said it multiple times building relationships is probably one of the most fun aspects of this process and whatever process you're in um i think it's better done together so when you have the opportunity to meet strangers like this podcast is an opportunity to meet strangers (laughs) um the emt class is an opportunity to meet strangers so um it's been the greatest excuse to to just jam with people um of similar mind uh, but in a various in various industries mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah and we're happy to meet you B. we're like happy to be a part of this like this is dope like i i told you that when we when we talked over the phone i told you like your whole setup is cool and um we're super excited to be a part of this like uh, love conference all is it's a beautiful thing you know it's a beautiful project it's meaningful as well as it's for the culture and it's, it's for the future. Mm-hmm. In my in my opinion, how I look at it, like we shoot the series, you know, we opening doors for ourselves as well as for the people around us, you know, as well as the people that are playing the roles. So um, you're one of the one of many to interview us during this journey and this process. So we appreciate you. 
Yeah, so. yeah, likewise. Yeah. Um, are there any expectations or um, things you're hoping to do or see uh, throughout the rest of this tour? Maybe specifically tomorrow at, at UIC. You know, like what what are some things that you're looking forward to on the rest of the tour? Just folks' reaction to our work, mm, like mm. critique, like let us know. Like I'm gonna ask these students, like, do you see, do you see a series? You know, as well as, you know, are we tackling the key components to mental health? Like, you know, we're working with the social work program, so which is, which is awesome. You know kids in graduate study graduate school trying to be social workers coming to see analyze our film to make sure that you know we're following into line of you know what they're going to be doing pertaining to mental health so uh, I mean I'm excited about this like I'm excited about tomorrow I'm excited about Puerto Rico mm-hmm. you know bringing mental health to the Caribbean mm-hmm. that's big mm-hmm. you know that's different and um, you know, people forget about Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico is a part of the states now. You know, so to be able to connect with other artists there, as well as other professionals there, and entrepreneurs, that's big to me. You know, that's big. Yeah, I think it's crazy how we were really just trying to be writers, yeah. but we <laughs> ended up being producers and directors in the process. And entrepreneurs, but, don't forget that. Yeah, definitely. She got the LLC, which is what Nelly Nell Productions, which is where everything's being pumped through, mm-hmm. um, including future projects. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just that whole idea that you 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 think that you're gonna be doing this, but then you get into it and you realize you gotta do a lot more to make it actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, I think I think that's in this day and age. Um, if you work for a large company, you are expendable. You're just another number. Um, and some company companies do a better job at creating culture than others. But I think in this day and age, um, if you can find a way to work for yourself, uh, and uh, other entrepreneurs use this term, it's called like skill stacking. But you know, us like whether I'm stacking my knowledge of cameras and video work with my ability to be eloquent and, and meet people and empathize with them, mm-hmm. and make a creative or not a creative, make a comfortable and mm-hmm. vulnerable space for you to share mm-hmm. um, your your life. I think something great can come from that. Um, and that can go anywhere. A lot of the skills that you've kind of cultivated already, you can probably take anywhere, whether it's project management, relationship stuff, filmmaking, mm-hmm. writing. Um, when, when you start stacking all these skills, you are making yourself very marketable and very unique. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we're doing it. You know, we, it, we, we are in the process of, of getting to that next level, which, you know, our our eyes on the series, you know, shooting a series in Oakland and uh, continuing the story of Love Conquers All and Kennedy's story. So, Yeah, well, we're excited to see the, the rest of your journey unfold. Uh, I'm excited for the screening tomorrow with right. you guys. Yeah, um, we, uh, I, I, like you said, I got, we got the copy. I just want to show the camera real quick mm-hmm. of uh, Love Conquers All signed by uh, both uh, Malik and Janelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, where can they find if they wanted to find physical copies, electronic copies, um, or the film as well? Uh, where can we find this stuff? 
Yep, so NellyNellProductions.com. Okay. You can get both the physical and the e-copy. We're not actually selling access to the film right now. Still gotcha. just doing in-person screenings at the moment. Yeah, doing the festival circuit. Uh, yep, and then once we try to get it onto a major platform, we'll make the announcement and probably through social media and her website. So, yep, NellyNellProductions.com. Okay. Um, any uh, social media handles you guys want to wanna plug? Where can, they, where can they connect with you? Yeah, follow me at NellyNell. 1027 uh, Instagram that's my Instagram at NellyNell1027 follow me check me out and then follow us at loveconquersall underscore 2022 alright uh, check us out man we're doing big things and it's a beautiful beautiful thing that we're doing try sure. <laughs> alright guys um, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys in the next episode thanks Victor appreciate it alright